Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability. If you haven't already, please rate the show wherever you listen. Simple actions like giving a star rating, downloading a show, and writing a review help us climb the charts so other like-minded individuals can find the show. You can reach out on social platforms at Care More Be Better, send us private messages, and tell us what topics you'd like to see covered. You can also join our newsletter on our website. Just visit caremorebebetter.com. As we get started today, I want to talk about struggling. Many of us already know that out of struggle comes growth. So many charities are built on that foundation alone, struggling to answer a specific call or need. But now, in the face of uncertain economic times, the already leanly run charities you know and love can really struggle to even exist. Smaller charities without large endowments from foundations are often the self-funded passion projects of inspired individuals who simply feel they must give back. We've heard about a few like this, including Love Without Borders for Refugees in Need and the Corneal Dystrophy Foundation that we covered in episode six. The point is this, just because these charities are small doesn't mean their work is unimportant. Just thinking of these two examples helps you see how critical the work they do can be. While some charities are singularly focused, others are a little more general, providing funds and resources to numerous other organizations that vitally need support. One such not-for-profit is the award-winning North Wales Dragons out of the UK. This not-for-profit soccer, sorry, football team (laughs) boasts 75 members that have played 108 games to support a variety of charities. To talk about the North Wales Dragons, a fundraising team that's been running since 2009, I'm joined by Chris Roberts, their co-founder and executive director. As a proud heart attack survivor, he campaigns for healthy hearts through the North Wales Dragons too, even securing the celebrity Davina McCall as a Dragons Heart Warrior. He has an amazing story of how a simple doodle by a dining room table changed his life forever. So Chris, welcome. Good afternoon. What should I say? Good morning. Well, you are across the pond from me. Here it's the morning. There I'm sure it's the evening. Welcome. And why don't we start there? Tell us this amazing story of how a doodle changed your life forever. There was a strange episode where I was working with a football team, soccer team, and it happens to be the oldest football club in the world. And they were working with a charity while I was working with them, preparing framed mementos for football clubs. And I came up with this one particular idea they loved. And they were having a 150th anniversary game. And they said to me, you know, would you put one of these uh, framed mementos together for this up and coming match that they were having? There was some hesitancy because it was something that I'd never, ever been involved with before. I just happened to put this one thing together and they'd seen it and they'd liked it. And that was I was reluctant. I said, you know what, I'd much rather leave it alone because I don't do this for a living. And they said, no, please, you know, would you really go ahead and do it? They were actually presenting to Inter Milan. If you're into soccer, Inter Milan is like one of the biggest football clubs in the world. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, if I don't do anything in my life again, being a soccer fan, soccer lover, 
that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this one thing together. And I did. I was invited to a football ground over here called Bramall Lane, and it's the home of Sheffield United, who are a premier football team. I was invited along. I went onto the pitch. I was with Mario Balotelli. He was in the players' tunnel with me. There was Marco Materazzi. He was the captain of Inter Milan at the time. Again, any football fans out there will remember that he was butted by Zinedine Zidane in the World Cup final. And I went out onto the pitch with both teams, with Sheffield and with Inter Milan. 20,000 people inside the stadium. Pele was there as well. Mm. And when I was growing up, Pele was, you know, you've got your Lionel Messi now, you've got your Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, Pele was the guy of the time. Yeah, I remember him too. (laughs) Yeah, that happened in 2007. And I'm telling the story now and I can still feel the goosebumps. It was such an amazing day. And that was the day that actually changed my life because it was from there that we started working alongside Sheffield Football Club in a more, um, shall we say, community capacity. Well, that's a lovely story. I would just love for you to talk a little bit about that. Let's say that first effort in 2009 when you formed the North Wales Dragons, you know, what it was like, what you had to do within the community to get the football team off the ground, because I know that that's not a small effort. I mean, a lot of people, heck, it's the sport of choice in the UK. Everyone loves soccer, football, right? So how did you go about that? You know, what were the challenges you faced? And ultimately, how did that first season play out? We struck up the relationship purely through providing this frame of mental. And they asked us if we'd had any ideas of how we could raise money for charity, which was the Boots for Africa charity that we first kicked off with. We hadn't really got any kind of idea then, but I'd always been involved in community football because when I was 10 years old, my dad worked in a washing machine plant and they would have interdepartmental football matches. When I left school, I'd always had that kind of community idea based within me and you know my love of football so I went out into the big wide world and I started organizing football matches with businesses Mm. so I would play uh, back then because I was I was young and fit Mm. and that carried on all through the years and we had this opportunity where we decided that because of our background we'd got a lot of contacts who would probably put a team together so we arranged June the 8th 2009 my eldest son he'd got contact up in Scotland and said we'll have a a match with these guys these guys will come down and they'll play so (laughs) this particular afternoon we kicked off we played at our local football ground time was ticking away and 1-0 2-0 3-0 4-0 this wasn't us being successful, by the way. This was this was us on the other end of getting a bit of a, what we call over here a bit of a scene to. It was pouring down with rain. I can remember it. the rain lashed down that afternoon. It just kind of added to the downslope of the afternoon. So 8-0 came, 9-0 came, and then we were kind of let out a sigh of relief when 10-0 came and the ref blew the whistle and said, that's it, we're done for the day. So we were a bit deflated we'd we'd put this you know we put this team together and uh, we had our our lesson 
we went inside the clubhouse and we all had a drink. Then we had a uh, raffle and an auction and we raised two and a half thousand pounds, which is like three thousand dollars, I think. And when we sat back and we reflected the whole thing, the whole evening, you know, people that we'd got involved, we couldn't have asked for better. We couldn't have asked for the start of the Dragons campaign to go any better. Not that we knew that it would, because we just considered that it was a one-off game. By the time we were 10-0 down, I surely thought, please let this just be a one-off game. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the evening, you know, we sat back and thought, you know what, we really would love to do this again next year because it's just worth the pain. Yeah, so that one particular match where you were able to engage your community, lose horribly and still come out feeling like, hey, we did a good job. We raised $3,000, 2,000 pounds for these charities have been in need. We're going to get up and do this again. I mean, that's sportsmanship too, right? Like, you don't win every day. There is no team on the planet that wins every day. Now, when you get you know, your push handed to you at 10-0, that hurts, right? Um, especially I think I asked you about this in our initial conversation. I'm like, was that a, a half size field or a full field? And that's a lot of losing. <laughs> You're working on a full field too. I can just appreciate how much effort went into that. Now, as you prepared for that second season, that third season, what really changed in how you were running the dragons and, um, you know, really what helped you feel like, Hey, this is something that could exist for the long haul. Once we've got that, initial two and a half, three thousand dollar mark. We thought, do you know what? We could probably do it for two different charities. So we went back to Boots for Africa to Sheffield and said we'd like to do it again. And they were with us all the way, obviously quite happy with what we'd done first time round. We also approached Help for Heroes and said, this is an idea that we've got. This is what happened after the first game. Would you be quite happy for us to go out and raise some money for you? Mm. And that was exactly the way it happened. Again, we raised a similar amount by doing exactly the same thing. But what we found then is that once we set ourselves walls or hurdles, I suppose, you know, when you get beaten 10-0, you've got the biggest mountain to climb. It wasn't about the getting beat. It was about the taking part. And it was about the money that, that was made. The score was secondary. Even though the score hurt, it was about how much money we could make for it and how many more charities we could involve. So when we got to 2010, we did the two charities. But when we got to 2011, we thought, you know what, we can go for four charities. Boots for Africa was one. Buckley Town in the community was another one. Click Sergeant, which was a children's charity up in Scotland. So, um, yeah, it was like the more and more we were playing, the more and more we wanted to get more charities involved. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious about that, like your charity selection process. What what made you choose particular charities? Were they things that your team members were passionate about or charities that just worked in your local communities? With the four teams that played, we let them choose their own charity. The team up in Scotland, Click Sergeant, they had a local charity this local children's charity that one of the team members were involved with, Buckley Town in the community, what that was, was there was a football club and they wanted to provide better facilities for their fans. Sheffield with Boots for Africa, they chose their own. And we supported uh, Breast Cancer UK. And the reason why was because we had a couple of members of our family at the time who were going through breast cancer. Mm. So I won't say that it was a family choice that it happened that we chose breast cancer but it was something that we put out to the team and said these are 
a few of the charities that we would like to sponsor, which one would you go for? So it was a vote, really. That mm-hmm. said, you know what, we'll go for the rest. Well, I mean, that gets more engagement from your team members too, right? If they're excited to support a particular charity. So um, as far as your process, is it, I, I mean, I'm familiar with team and training here in the United States. I ran marathons um, to raise funds for leukemia and lymphoma, another cancer, right? And they're probably one of the largest disease-related charities that you'll find in the States, maybe even globally. I personally was involved in raising funds through five marathoning seasons. I worked as a training captain, um, in addition to some just community engagement with the team. And each season I had to raise a particular amount to cover my race fees, my travel expenses, and also then what would benefit the charity, right? So it's looked at as each person who comes in contributes and pays it forward. So over the course of that time, as a competitive individual, I wanted to keep raising more, keep raising more, keep raising more. Individually, I was responsible for raising something like $20,000, which felt really good. It felt good to be acknowledged. So I wonder if with what you're doing on your side, if you're implementing anything of the same, or if it really is just, hey, you're a team member, we want you to be involved. We're not going to hold you to a particular number, but let's do our best. I'd just love you to talk about that. We are in a, a position where what we have is 75 players who are on our books altogether. So to ask them to go out week in, week out, month in, month out to raise money for charity, we can't do it because we feel that for them to turn out and play, which they do at a weekend, we think that is donation enough because they volunteer their time and effort. So what we always say is, if you come and play us to raise money, go to their friends, their family, or their work colleagues, and say, we're playing in such and such a game, would you sponsor me for playing? Mm -hmm. And that is how the money is generated. So you might have Tommy will turn up. Tommy is a member of a small family. He's not got many friends. He works in the local shop on his own. So the expectancy of Tommy raising that much money is quite limited. Mm-hmm. But conversely, if you've got Terry, shall we say, he's from a large family, he's got a large circle of friends, and he works in a factory, then his chances of raising a substantial amount of money are much more increased. Mm-hmm. So what we always say is that, you know, we ask you to bring 17 players to come and play. Out of those 17 players, all the money goes in one pot. And we say, don't share how much each of you has raised. Just keep that to yourself and just put the money in, into one pot because we don't want anyone to feel that they're not contributing enough and we don't want anyone to feel that they're contributing too much neither. The the essence of the North Wales Dragons is we're a team. And a and community. We want, exactly. And we right. want everyone else to feel the same way. We don't want any conflict between the other team. We want them to come down with the sole purpose that they're raising money for a particular cause. And the thing is, it's the team that's raising money for the cause, right. not the individual. The one thing that that brings up for me is you might have particularly shy individuals who are great soccer players that want to get involved, but yet they're maybe a little bit more socially awkward or less comfortable asking for money. 
And so, you know, I think that the process you've laid out is very inclusive, helps people to be involved in something that is community oriented. And because of the costs of putting something like this on being a little different than, you know, running a marathon in Honolulu and traveling there. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a difference in the costs that you have to cover to put on something that can benefit charities. So I think that makes perfect sense. You know, my question for you is you started talking through some of that. You mentioned corporate social responsibility programs. And I know you've done quite a bit of work in that arena, too. So I wondered if some of the funds that you're raising are being funneled directly through corporate sponsorships, be it like we're going to sponsor your jersey this year, or we're going to sponsor getting the word out so more people will donate, something along those lines. We're lucky that present sponsor we've got Wales and West Housing you see some shirts behind me there mm. um, so Wales and West Housing they're a large housing group here in Wales and we're fortunate to partner with them and you know they've been very very good to us in providing all our shirts this is something that we actually struggled with from day one we were at a point where we didn't get any recognition because what we were doing is was quite new it was unique. It was something that it was quite awkward to get off the ground. If you look around, like particularly in the UK, there are lots of grassroots football teams that have popped up. When we first started, it, it was a struggle trying to find like-minded. And we were playing fans teams. We were playing veteran football teams. And there were very, very few who had the like-mindedness of what we were doing. So... I would like to think that we were probably breakthrough in putting a charity football team together. And it was in those early years that we struggled to get the recognition because people didn't really understand what it was that we did. But as we grew and grew, getting educated as to how to put ourselves on social media, because none of us had ever run a business before. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having to, having to run it like a business. We ended up following people on Twitter who had philanthropy or who were doing great things in the community, we were following them and we were asking questions of them about what can we do to get better. And they were, they were giving us this information. You know, there's like big entrepreneurs out there, you know, who we were following and asking questions and they were quite giving of their time. Mm. And even now when I go around, we always look back on them and call them the board that we couldn't afford because <sighs> if, if you would have gone out to them and say, listen, you know, I, I could do with some advice for you. You know, they would charge thousands for this kind of advice. And so, yeah, as a result of what they told us, we we managed to get ourselves out there a bit more. And Wales and West approached us and said, we love what you're doing. You are right alongside us in our social policies. And um, we would love to have you on board as a partner. That was two years ago. And we've been offered the partnership to continue as well. Yeah. Well, that all sounds lovely. I look at this picture of you now seeing behind you um, all of these lovely jerseys from seasons past. And I'd love for you to just talk for a moment about why they might be different colors and ultimately, um, you know, what you're doing to, to remain scrappy so that, you know, most of the funds are getting to the charities that you're supporting. When we put our first football kit together, I think you call them uniforms over there. No funding whatsoever, nothing from anywhere. So what we did was we thought best way to try and get a kit together, eBay. So we went out onto eBay and um, we 
we managed to grab a set of shirts and uh, it hardly cost anything at all. We all want to look the same, but we all want the money to go to charity. Mm-hmm. So that was the, the first kit that we bought. And then the second kit was the same. We thought we've grown out of that one now. We want to buy another kit. But the lack of identity was there because there was no plan of what it is that we're doing today. Mm-hmm. So it was like, we'll just get another set of jerseys. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily have some branding firm come in and say, here's no. your colors and yeah, yeah. we're going to stick to this and this will improve your brand visibility. This is your logo and this is how we yeah. should be seen. Yeah. Are you doing that work now? This is exactly the way that it's working now because we we found the identity and we found the recognition and going forward, there will always be a dragon on the shirt now because that's what we are. You know, we are a dragon. The dragon will always be there because that is now our identity. Yeah. So, I mean, I was tempted to bring my bearded dragon down to show you. I have a lizard <laughs> myself. <laughs> Not exactly the same. She looked quite content in her enclosure, so I left her there. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. I wonder, too, if you could just talk a little bit about the charities that you're working to affect in your next season and um, how COVID may have impacted what you're doing presently. I imagine that since we're living with a lot of restrictions right now, um, 2020 likely went a little dark. You know, how do you see the team coming out of that and what charities do you see in your scopes as we move through 2021? The COVID, you know, the pandemic thing took us, I think it took the world by surprise, but I could probably be a a little guilty of thinking this will pass. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would pass quickly and how wrong I was. We played our last tournament in February 2020. So that's you know just over 12 months ago. That was for a, a men's mental health charity. It was a bunch of teams that came together. It was for a man's club that you know is involved with suicide prevention and that kind of thing. And that that was the, the last time that we've actually probably kicked a ball in in anger, shall we say. There was no way in the world that I thought this is gonna last 12 months or maybe a bit longer. When it came to the middle of the pandemic, when it was at its height over here, we wondered what we could do as a community group, rather than playing to raise money for charity, what we were doing was we were doing bits of community work, like um, we clubbed together and bought essential items for patients who were special needs, so they couldn't have any visitors. So we were providing stuff like toiletries and and that kind of thing. We were buying takeaway meals for our accident and emergency unit because they were stretched. Mm -hmm. It was bad enough dealing with COVID on its own, never mind having accidents. Mm -hmm. They needed specialist hand creams because they were working with COVID and not only do they, you know, wash once, they wash twice, you name it, and their hands were becoming quite sore. So we provided specialist hand creams for them as well. Mm-hmm. We were donating money and food to our local food bank because a lot of families suffered due to unemployment. And we donated to children's charities as well. There was a lot of on-field stuff that we had to come away from, but we did, you know, we can feel proud that we actually dived into our local community and tried to help out as much as we could. 
Now, as we open the show, I mentioned some charities run really lean. And as you and I first connected, we talked about the fact that you run pretty lean. So I'd love to hear what it is that you plan to do from 2021 forward and when you anticipate being able to run a match again. I mean, do you foresee running a match this summer? Yes. To be honest, that's what's keeping us going because we have a tournament and we have a match that we really do need to play. Every year we have an eight-team tournament, which we call a Dragon's Invitational, and we invite our friends' teams along, and they play to raise money for eight charity. That is kind of our signature game, which is pretty much based on that first Boots or Africa match that we had. Um, The other one is we have a a friend of the family who committed suicide uh, two years ago, day after Christmas Day. And that's called the David Jones Trophy. And in 2009, we said that this is something that we wanted to hold every year in his memory. Because he was a guy who supported us from day one. Mm-hmm. He believed in everything that we were, we were doing. He believed in everything that we were going to do. Uh, he came to our events. He even did stuff in the background, you know, admin-wise. And it was sad that we had to cancel last year. We'd normally play it in September. This is one game that we do really want to play, purely because it's in our heart to play this game. Right. Well, you mentioned earlier that you had, um, I think February last year, benefited a charity that specifically was oriented towards mental health. Was that inspired by this individual? It's inspired by him and a lot of other individuals. My brother-in-law was in his mid-30s when he took his own life. We're finding a lot. It's a cruel world. We find that, you know, mental health does take a grip of people. It's, it's more prevalent now. And I think, you know, there are certain aspects that do make us think we need to play more and we need to raise more awareness about mental health. I think, you know, in some certain circumstances, it's getting quite cliche of saying it's good to talk and what have you, but we must talk. It's something that even the hardest of males, even the hardest of females, we have to talk to each other. It's 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 a long old subject that, that we could talk about. One of the things that I didn't expect in starting this podcast, you know, I'm having conversations with people all over the globe that are leading fairly inspiring lives like your own, you know, you're very committed to a particular cause. You're working with a community to to build more community. And I think that, you know, over the course of this last year, especially when we've been more isolated, when we haven't had as many chances to connect, when we haven't had as many chances to look one another in the eye and to give a hug and shake a hand. I mean, all the things that we were so accustomed to as a social species, you know, it poses unique challenges. So in starting this podcast, the thing that I didn't expect as a benefit to me was that I, again, felt more connected to the world. I didn't realize that I was starting to feel disconnected because the symptom kind of crept up slowly. You know, it's like something you just you don't necessarily have the ability to put your finger on it because we're all experiencing it. We are all forced into the situation and the mental challenges that that raises, it's not like an on off switch. It's not like you suddenly just wake up one day and realize, okay, well, today is just a little bit 
little bit worse than yesterday because I haven't had as many connections. And then the next day is a little bit worse. So it's like a slow attrition, like a death by a thousand cuts. And so if you have, you know, a whole community of people that are all experiencing the same thing and nobody's talking about it because they don't want to rock the boat or feel like, hey, you know what? I don't have it as bad as somebody else. So I'm just going to keep it closed in and keep it closed in and keep it closed in. Then by the time a week, a month, two months, a year goes by, we're all living less than we were living before. And, and I think that it's time for us to acknowledge that and that this is the reason that mental health is, is kind of rising as a community concern where more people are getting willing to talk about it and willing to talk about, you know, the ways in which we can support one another. And I, I am a firm believer that through community, we all create a better future for ourselves. So what you're doing in North Wales through the dragons, you're creating a community, you're inspiring people, you're giving them connection, you're giving them reason. And by doing that, regardless of whether or not you're raising money specifically for a mental health charity, you are helping them escape the potential of, you know, entering a depression which nobody wants to experience. And everybody is capable of getting depressed. I don't care who you are. (laughs) So um, it's kind of the lot of life of being human, you know? Yeah. The whole mental thing is a strange beast because I've been working in this room for the past 12 months. Mm -hmm. And everything in this house is my work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I... I go to the bathroom, it's really the toilet. I go to the living room, it's really the breakout room. I go to the kitchen, it's the canteen. Everything is everything. 24 hours, this house is my life. And we, we can't travel anywhere. We're supposed to stay locally. We can only walk for exercise around. And, you know, we're, we're totally shackled purely by something that we've never, ever experienced before. And... When we first got into the pandemic, everything was new. Everything was, okay, you know, we're we're being tested here. Let's see how we can go with this test. Let's see how we can, how resilient we are. For the first time round, that was was okay. You know, we, we managed the resilience quite well. But I think, you know, we're on our third lockdown now. And there is only so much that the average human being can take. And I think, even the average human being is really getting knocked sideways at the moment. And we need some kind of pick-me-up. It's weird, just me chatting to you today. You know, it's a new face that I'm having a conversation with that it's just different. A window to an outside world. It's a window that I'm appreciative of. Yeah, that's really the purpose, right? We have to connect more. I call this podcast Care More, Be Better for a Reason, right? Like the whole purpose of it is an invitation to get people to care a little bit more so we can be a little bit better. And so I care a lot. And I often care more than I take the time to say, because you know, how many times can you be the person that's sitting there on a soapbox talking about a particular issue and bore the heck out of your family. So I'm like, 
well, you know, uh, I can do this on a global scale, I guess, with a podcast. And maybe there'll be enough people who want to get on a soapbox with me that that kind of get, you know, hey, we need to be here. We need to care a little bit more about issues like mental health or, you know, communities that are struggling financially that need more support or even just the goal of bringing awareness to a particular issue that just needs more attention. So I really do applaud what you're doing, especially during a time like this that is so hard when your world shrunk into the walls of your home. If I was going to just offer you the platform, what message would you like to leave our audience with? What thing would you like them to take out of this conversation into their daily lives? I would say that If you ever have the opportunity to get involved in some community work at all, to go for it, because there are so many community groups, charities that need help right now. And I think if you choose wisely as well about the charity or community that you work with, I would say that you always should connect to to a group that's close to your heart Mm -hmm. and You have to have a lived experience to go with a group that goes with your heart. So before I mentioned breast cancer, I mentioned mental health. You know, there's heart awareness as well. You know, there's stuff there, pardon the pun, but they're very close to my heart. So if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do something that's affected me in my life. And because it's affected me, it's going to make me more invested in doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I would say to anyone, don't just choose such and such a charity or a community because it's local or something or other, because you won't be that invested in it. What you need to do is go with someone where you feel that this is going to matter. One saying that we always live by is expect nothing and appreciate everything. Mm, Because, Because when we first started, we started with no one around us. And as we grew and grew and grew, we expected nothing. But as we developed on the journey, more and more people were helping, more and more people were joining in. And that's when we realized that we that we really do appreciate everything because we've come from nothing to be here with something. Everything that we've done today, everyone who's supported, played, joined in, been in the admin in the back, Everyone like yourself today, you're giving us a platform to be out there. And it's not expected, but it's appreciated. Well, I have to say thank you, Chris, for everything you're doing. I mean, being a pillar in your community and getting so many people to act as volunteers for the greater good is something that really is commendable. So a little round of applause from me right here. Thank you. Um, Yeah, playing football is certainly a fun way to raise money. And I am just looking forward for you to the day when you can get out there and just do what you guys do, raising money for charities in need, selecting those that are going to be important to your team members and just making it happen. If our listeners wanted to get involved with North Wales Dragons in particular, how would they go about doing that? If you type in North Wales Dragons on Google, you'll track us down because, uh, like I say, we, we got better at social media, so um, we're quite easy to find. You can drop me an email at chris at northwellsdragons.co.uk and you can ask me anything or even if you want to share your own stories because I would love to hear. We're doing something at the moment. We're putting a book together and the book is about how soccer has affected lives. 
So if you find that, you know, you've been involved in soccer and it's it's helped you in your life or it's helped you in community or it's helped someone in the family, if it's made a difference to your life, write to me and tell me about it because the book will come together and it will be sold to raise money for four different charities. Oh, that's, that's really lovely. Nice work. Now, I'm going to link to your site, North Wales Dragons, and um, in our show notes, I can also provide your email address, chris at northwheelsdragons.co.uk. Um, just for all of those soccer fans or football fans out there. Um, and I invite them, all of you really to visit the site and see what they're doing. If you can afford to, I encourage you to make a donation to support their efforts. You can also visit caremorebebetter.com and click on the action page there. As always, you'll find details about charities and conscious companies that we have featured. I will put together a feature also for the North Wales Dragons. Now, I invite all of you to join this conversation and be a part of the community we are building together. You can follow us on social spaces at Care More Be Better or just send an email to me at hello at caremorebebetter.com. You can support the show by sharing it with friends or by donating directly on our site. Just visit caremorebebetter.com and click the donate button. Thank you, listeners, now and always for being a part of this pod and this community because together we really can do so much more. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.